welcome to the final 2021 episode of the Northern Connection. My name's Emma and I'm here with Jules, Rebecca and Rachel to chat some more about books. And we have set ourselves the rather agonising task of choosing our books of the year. And boy, have we been agonising. We have been messaging each other over the past couple of days and changing our minds and generally just dithering about the books that we've loved and I think we've gotten it down to about three books each <laughs> but I know we're probably each going to do a, a Twitter thread with our top 10 but hopefully we're down to three. <laughs> Jules do you want to kick us off? Yeah of course yeah so the first one I've chosen and can I just say before I start that I have started looking at my um, books of the year for my Twitter post and I've so far got 15. So it was quite <laughs> hard. It was quite hard to pick three. But anyway, I'm going to go with these ones. So uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Last One at the Party by Bethany Clift because it's a bit of a tough one to talk about in some ways because when I reviewed it and spoke about it on Twitter um, someone did reply and say why on earth would you want to read a book about a pandemic when we're in a pandemic and to me it's not kind of a valid reason because this book honestly is far worse than what we've seen and I don't mean to belittle what's gone on because I know what has gone on has been awful but in last one at the party there is literally one survivor so um, it is about this one woman who like I say has survived this pandemic and if you catch this virus in last one at the party you will survive for no more than six days so there is no cure once you've got it you will die so she's somehow found herself the only survivor. She's on her own in London. And she obviously, she's the typical person who doesn't have any survival skills whatsoever. And now she's trying to fight for her life. And what I liked about it is not only does she become pretty, obviously she's got to feed herself and all that kind of thing. Um, and she's got no way of getting around. Obviously, she can't get any fuel and that kind of thing because the whole world has just ended, so to speak. Um, so she has to find a way around. Um, and, yeah, she's just... what what It's quite thought-provoking in the sense of if you are the only survivor, what is your reason for living is the one because if you're going to spend the rest of your life on your own and it's going to be such a struggle to just survive just for you, then why? And so there's that element of it as well. Um, and I did really love this book all the way through. It is really, really good. And I'm obviously not going to give anything away, but if you do read it, it's one of those as well where you get to the end and you are like, wow, because the end brings it all into focus if you like so um and i love bethany clift on twitter as well she's uh, really funny she does some great tweets and posts and stuff um and i kind of chose it as well because i wanted to champion um a lesser known author as well and it mm -hmm. is a debut as well so very good for a debut so yeah last one at the party by bethany clift that's one of my books of this year that sounds brilliant <laughs> it does sound good 
Amazing. What about you, Rachel? So my first book is a book of poetry. Um, well, it's a book of poetry and short prose, um, and it's Holly McNish, Slug, and other things I've been told to hate. Um, and I was sent a proof of this. I'm a huge Holly McNish fan. Um, I was supposed to go and see her actually on her Slug tour in November, but I think Storm, whatever it was called, got in the way and, and it was postponed. But hopefully it will be rescheduled soon. I love Holly McNish for her honesty. And actually, this is a very, very honest book. Um, she talks about all the things that happen to us all in our lives, but we're all kind of being conditioned not to talk about, particularly about women and women's lives and women's bodies. Um, so I really enjoyed this because because of the honesty, but also because of the empathy within it. And there's she talks about her own family and she talks about the people within her family particularly her daughter particularly her mother particularly her grandmother so there's a real generational feel in there and it's not all angry poetry at all there's a lot of um very tender poetry but there's some very very funny very very funny poetry in here as well and actually I've got a daughter who's a teenager and it was this book she doesn't read massively she's reading more now which is nice to hear and it's all but it's always nice when we come together over a book which doesn't happen very often but actually this book this year made that happen because she came home from school outraged about the fact that they'd been told about rolling their skirts up they wanted they were told to take them down and the fact and somebody had implied in her mind that that was because the boys couldn't concentrate if they'd got their skirts too short. And Holly McNish writes a very clear poem in here about it's not my responsibility to make the boys concentrate in school. That's that's up to them, basically. And nobody's having a go at them about their trousers being too tight. So I can see the shape of their whatnots, basically. You know, so and 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 I read that poem to my daughter and she just thought it was amazing and I then um she then took it into school and said to her English teacher I want to read this to you and so and it sparked a whole movement within her sort of in her friendship group and actually Holly I engaged with Holly on Twitter she I think she's very a bit like you said about Bethany she's very funny on Twitter but she's very to the point and actually I sort of tweeted about this and Holly was lovely and said if she wants me to do a video if you want me to do anything I will and we, we never took her up on the offer because actually Covid got in the way and, and various things got in the way but so I've got personal reasons for wanting this but actually yes a slug is my my first book of the year. <laughs> Love it. Sounds yeah. Nice. If you ever get the chance to see Holly live go because she's hilarious it's so so funny. Fab. that's brilliant and Rebecca well my my main favorite book of the year is Still Life by Sarah Winman which I think some of you have also read mm -hmm. it made me laugh and cry and I felt utterly bereft when I finished reading it I, I just adored it the characters are so vivid and in some ways beautifully flawed and I don't think you could love a group of people more by the end of a book particularly Ulysses' temper. He has completely got my heart. 
Um, I also really enjoyed being swept away for, to Florence, like at a time when no one was really traveling. It was nice to feel like you were on holiday. And Florence is described in such perfect detail that it's clear that Sarah Women has, has a love for the city and has spent a lot of time there herself. You can almost smell and taste the surroundings when she's describing them on the page. But if you haven't read it yet, I can't recommend it highly enough. I just loved it. It's it's just a brilliant read. And the edition that I've got is um, an independent bookshop special one. So it doesn't have the sprayed edges, but it's got um, tiled end papers. And I got mine from Bert's Books. So everyone go to Bert's Books and see if he's got any copies left. <laughs> Yay for Bert. I think I've got that one, actually. And I have a, I'm pretty sure mine's here in front of me. I'm pretty sure that mine's signed copy. I got yes, mine Bert. was signed as well from Bert, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Rebecca, if you'd not have chosen that, that would have been one of mine and it will definitely be on me, um, books yeah, and the it, uh, tweet. It that will I've... me too. And actually, yeah. I read quite quickly. I don't skim read, but I do read quite quickly. And actually, I couldn't read that book quickly. It no. was it was just impossible. And I kept Want thinking, to this is yeah. taking me a really long time. But it the language was so poetic and so perfectly placed that I just had to take my time with it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want it to finish and I did feel like I was reading it more. I was trying to make it last. Mm, yeah. Like you were saying, Rachel, about Holly, um, I've um, been to a talk that Sarah Winman done it, it did. It was actually um, a chat between Sarah Winman and Joanna Cannon. Like, what? Wow. <laughs> two, two brilliant authors in one room. Well, yes, that um, was the first event that we went to yes, together. Yes, we went to it together, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, um, and Sarah Winman is just so, she just comes across as so articulate and mm. intelligent. And she, she as a person, she just floored me in, in that room mm. because she's yeah. just, she's just amazing. You could literally it listen to her all day. Like, yeah. You just wouldn't get bored. She did a podcast actually with Bert, Bert's Books Bert, which is really worth listening to. It's just so good. It does have a whole new level to a book doesn't it when you hear mm. the author talk about why why they did certain things and their sort of methodology and their reasoning and and it just adds a whole new level and I think a lot of my favorite books are books that I've heard the authors talk about yeah mm. sorry I mean if I've you can been... hear the cat purring I'm really sorry because oh, she's no, determined to get on this podcast oh. <laughs> I mean I um I've read it quite a few of Sarah Winman's books and When God Was a Rabbit is mm-hmm. is really good but the one that um, really got me of Sarah Winman's is Tin Man oh, and gosh, if you've, if so you've not read it oh yeah it is it's such a brilliant brilliant it is really utterly sad but it's, yeah. it's brilliant everyone raves about it and that's that's the one that got me into Sarah Winman's books really and then still life's the same it's yeah. fabulous and she spoke about Tin Man, didn't she, at the event that was that we went to because it had just come out. Mm. Yeah, good choice, Rebecca. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was one of my favourites as well. And it's one I've bought for lots of people <laughs> as gifts. Yeah, it's a nice gift because not only is it just a beautiful book, but it this, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? The mm. the cover's so nice and. I've got the Waterstones version, which has got the sprayed edges and it's signed as well. But yeah, yeah, really, really lovely. Yeah. Um, so my first um, my first book I'm going to talk about 
is a short story collection and it's by an Irish writer called Louise Kennedy. Um, it's called The End of the World is a Cul-de-Sac. Um, Louise is, uh, she's originally from the north of Ireland, but she's based in Sligo. And um, I love her backstory because <laughs> apparently um, she had absolutely no interest in writing until she was sort of a friend of hers, um, talked her into going to a local creative writing uh, class and she had no you know she didn't want to go at all she just went along for the crack I think is what she said <laughs> and she ended up just falling in love with writing and just couldn't stop herself then after that um so she, you know I think she's in her 50s now and um she's really well recognized in Ireland she's won quite a lot of um prizes for her short stories and this is her first collection um and what it does is it depicts sort of tough rural landscapes and tells the story of uh, lonely women with dark secrets. And the stories are, there's loads of sort of mythology and um, lore and Irish landscape there, but there's always like a, a hefty dollop of reality in there as well. And, you know, the realities of modern living. Um, so there's stories about the fallout of the economic recession in 2008 and there's another really good one about people trying to make a living off the land um, while simultaneously managing a cannabis grow house. So there's a lot of um, dark humour in there. I, I just felt it was beautiful and brutal and just a super collection. As soon as I finished it, I just wanted to scream about it and say, oh, my God, you've got to read this book. It's brilliant. And <laughs> Louise has a novel coming out in the new year. And I just can't wait to get my hands on that. So that's my first recommendation. So back to you, Jules. <laughs> OK, so my next choice is Another Life by Jodie Chapman and this is one of those books where I got sent a proof and I did. I was asked beforehand if I would read it and I liked the sound of it. Um, and to be honest, looking at it now, and it sounds awful when I say this, but I probably wouldn't have picked it up if I'd seen it in a bookshop. And even if I read the blurb, because it's a bit of a love story and that's not usually the kind of thing that I would read, um, I probably wouldn't have picked it up and I'm so so glad that I got sent a proof because mm. I just absolutely adore it um, so basically it's about Nick and Anna they work the same summer job and obviously get to know each other a little bit but they're from very very different backgrounds so Anna's brought up in a really um, strict um, home life um, she's not allowed to get drunk you know sex before marriage is a, a big no-no uh, Christmas is off limits, all that kind of thing. Um, and she meets Nick, who, like I say, is from a very, very different background, but she falls for him straight away. And they have a bit of a thing going on over the summer. Um, and then Anna is then becomes worried that she's going to have to give up all this past life with a family and everything that she knows and the way she's been brought up that she's going to have to give all that up if she wants to be with Nick because um, obviously technically the relationship's not allowed uh, by her family and she does actually walk away and it's, it's actually really sad um, however later on in life um, years and years later down the line something brings them back together and it's whether they can then 
rekindle this love that they once had or are all the things that have gone on in between just too much for them to rekindle what they had now i'm going to read the first paragraph because it just jody chapman's writing is just sublime and this first paragraph is going to give you nothing about what happens between nick and anna but i just wanted to give you an example of what a writing's like and why you should read it because i just think it's brilliant my little brother jumped from the window of his manhattan apartment building on christmas eve morning his body fell seven stories and landed in a skip filled with four feet of freshly fallen snow it was the snow that saved him cushioned the blow it had drifted down all night and not yet had the chance to solidify. The soft snow was also the reason he wasn't discovered until three hours later when his cleaning lady walked into an empty apartment and found the window wide open. Seven stories, four feet of snow and three hours of staring at the sky. Those are some damning odds. <laughs> and I just really love that. It's just like in a writing is just I, I think a writing's just sublime and yet again an other debut, which I yeah. just think mm. is brilliant. Mm. And if I, you read, read that, that, you would never well. think that it was the mm. first book. I think it's fabulous. And I've raved about it all year long because I didn't read <laughs> it um, quite early on in the year. So that is definitely a book. And is that the opening paragraph that you just read? Yes. Oh. Yeah, I didn't want to read anything too far in because I think if you read the opening paragraph, I think it still gives what a writing is, but you're not giving mm. anything away about the story, are you? And also so. really makes you want to know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That's one so. heck of a hook. It is. Yeah. It's brilliant. Writing, brilliant writing book. It's just great. Yeah, it yeah. is fabulous. And it's like, you know, the love story between Nick and Anna, obviously not going to give anything away about what happens, but um, a writing throughout about everything is just yeah it's just brilliant i love it my second book um it got really hard actually to start choosing second books and third books and and these are not in any particular order we have talked about this book already a lot on the podcast and so i did think about whether i should maybe not choose it but actually i'm going to because it is one of the best books i've read not just this year but in the past few years and it's lucy Whitnight hardy's collection of short stories dead relatives um it is just the most dark and delicious collection of short stories i think i have read in a very very long time and we're talking about good titles which actually if i'm writing titles are always a really hard thing to come up with but she has some cracking titles in this book um i'm just flicking through it now so we've got resting bitch face which is one of my absolute favourites in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the pickling jar. I mean, the pickling jar is, you've never met a pickling jar quite like that one. Um, <laughs> Chooks don't have teeth. That's another pretty good one. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is very dark, um, but it's very humorous as well. The humour is very dark, but it is very humorous. And I defy you to guess where most of these stories are going to end up because they all go to places that you will never expect them to go. Not in a bad way, but in a... Really? I wasn't expecting to end up there, but I really like where I've ended up. The first story is quite long. The, the title story, Dead Relatives, is quite long. It, I, wouldn't, 
I wouldn't say it's novella length. Well, maybe it is actually. I'm looking at it, 65 pages. I said there are novellas that are 65, 66 pages. And that one, I think I said on a previous podcast, the ending made me drop the book, literally physically drop the book. Um, and I've recommended this book to so many people this year. Um, you do have to be into quite dark fiction, I think. You have to be into quite weird stuff you have to be into kind of opening your mind up and letting your mind go to places it wouldn't necessarily go but actually this will be one that i read again and again um i i I just think it's amazing i know emma you really enjoyed it as well didn't you very much so yeah 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 very very dark (laughs) yeah well a a very kind person on twitter sent me a copy so um i shall try and read that i'm just looking <laughs> i've got my shelf of books that i've not read just outside of me here and i'm yeah so i might get around to reading i think Jules, if you were time. reading <laughs> another book at the same time but because sort of maybe use this to dip in and out of the yeah. stories yeah i mean it, it definitely would i mean i just devoured it in one great big sort of like give me everything this is just so good um i hadn't read her novel um water shall refuse them and I, I pretty much bought that straight off the back of reading this and, and I read Water Shall Refuse Them as well. Um but Dead Relatives has got the edge for me. Um so yeah, no, that that is it. So uh, and it's by Dead it's published by Dead Inc. And I think they do some amazing stuff actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no. So that's my second choice. While we're mentioning publishers as well, and I was gonna do a I don't know whether to do a separate Twitter post about this. But I just want to give a shout out to WNN as well, because I was looking on my pile of books that I was going to recommend and three of them by WNN. And I don't think I have read a book by them that I've not loved. No, they're brilliant. Shout out to them. Yeah. 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 And Rebecca, what about you? Your next book? My next book is probably not a surprise because I did go on about it quite a lot on Twitter but Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid um as you know I didn't show up about Daisy Jones and the Six and it, <laughs> it was one of my favorite books back on our first podcast and I couldn't wait for Malibu Rising to publish even the cover before you even know really anything about what the book is about the cover like really draws you in it's bright it's on the sea there's a someone surfing there you just kind of want to be in that cover and you want to know more instantly um and it follows the Reva siblings and the build-up to Nina Reva's famous annual end of summer party and it it goes it moves through time so in the present you're working up to this party in the in the present day and then it goes back in time to how the the Reavers came to be essentially and then it ends in in a very big fire, which isn't giving anything away because that is on on the book blurb. Um, but this this book was everything that I hoped it would be because I had waited for it for so long after Daisy Jones and the Six and, and loved that so much. You always kind of want the next one to be up there, don't you, when you yeah. really love an author? But Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. reads like, writes like no other author, I think. You hang on her every word when you're reading and I just completely devoured this book and fell in love with the Reavers I don't know if any of you have have read it but I would I would recommend it I haven't but I've seen a lot of other people raving about it 
I think yeah. Bert's book's just got, he's got it on the top row of his shelf, hasn't he? But... Yeah, I saw that today when yeah. I was um, putting to like, like you said before, Emma, like we dithered about which books <laughs> to, to include. And yeah, I think if you'd said that if we were doing this next week, it probably would be a, <laughs> it could, a different, could be different book. again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I, I, I wouldn't see what she writes next. It'd be interesting. I've read the seven. Um, husbands of Evelyn Hugo but I think she's got a couple of other books which I haven't read yet so I do need to go into her backlist. Yeah I've I've read Daisy Jones I absolutely love that mm-hmm. um, and I would yeah I'd really like to read Malibu Rising so I should add it to my pile. <laughs> it's so good and you really you know you want to be by the sea and you'll want to be somewhere hot and you just want to hang out with these group of siblings because they're just so cool and you'll yeah you'll love it I think (laughs) sounds better than being where we are at the moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was perfect escapism reading so I read it in February this this year yeah so Mm -hmm. we weren't in a great place then either were we so it was pure escapism it was the perfect read fab thank you um my next book is called Open Water and it's by um an, an author called Caleb Azuma Nelson so it's a really short novel, um, but it's really powerful and the writing is just absolutely exquisite. It's very poetic. Um, it's written from the perspective of a black British Ghanaian man who's living in southeast London. And it's about a time in his life when he falls in love with um, a, a woman who's living in the same area as him. And they start out as friends and then they work collaboratively together on different arts projects. Um, in the area and slowly they become a little bit more than friends but life's complicated and they drift apart again um so on one level it is a love story um which like Jules said I don't generally tend to be drawn to love stories but this one just absolutely captivated me so it's about just kind of a coming together and a part of a relationship um and in it the narrator um, we never actually find out what his name is, um, but he feels very unseen by society and he wants to be seen, but he's terrified of showing himself both to society, but also to the girl he falls in love with. So it gives um, a perspective into what it's like to be um, a black man living in South London. Um, it's based around, I think it's 2017. Um, and it, it's absolutely heartbreaking. It's when the I don't know if you remember in the news there was loads of um, reports about men you know black men being stopped and searched and just there's they're just living with that constant threat of violence which Mm. is part of um, everyday life and I think he sort of tapped into a bit how some mothers would feel about their sons you know leaving the house every day and not really knowing if they would come back or you know if they'd come back what they would have experienced during the day so there's a really you know, while there's the love story part, there's a very serious message in there as well. Um, And as well as that, it's just absolutely uh, full of um, culture, history, art. Um, The writing's absolutely amazing. So um, this book has been shortlisted for various prizes so far this year. I think it was on the Waterstones um, Book of the Year. I know it didn't win because the... Let's let's not. Yeah. Even, yeah. Let's not even I think it there. should. I think it should have won. 
Um, and Caleb, he's, he was also shortlisted for the BBC Short Story Award in 2020. I think he's got such a talent for capturing intensity mm. in his work. Absolutely brilliant. So really highly recommend it. Um, I, think it I think it should have won loads of prizes. But It's a brilliant cover as well, isn't it? Yeah. The colours. Yeah. Mm, nice and bright. Like with it being really poetic. So it's called Open Water. There's so much um, imagery, water imagery in there about, you know, being adrift and, you know, mm. yeah, it's fabulous. Can't recommend it enough. So. I have just bought it actually on your recommendation and seen as though it's only a little one, I'm going to try and squeeze it in before it's the end of the year. Brilliant. <laughs> I did actually start out listening to it and mm. um, I had to just, I just bought, I just ordered the book immediately because it's one of those where you just, Sometimes when you're listening to audiobooks, um, you, you don't know what, you know, what, what things look like. Mm. I, I just needed to see the words mm. and, and yeah. sometimes to reread the sentences to just really appreciate them. So mm. I remember you tweeting that you were listening to it and then you, you needed to have a copy to, yeah. to physically look at. <laughs> yeah, it's that good. <laughs> Another one to add to the list. <laughs> OK, um, are we on to book three now? Jules. I think we are, yeah, yeah. So my um, third and final one for this podcast is actually going to be my absolute book of the year. And one of the reasons why I've chosen it as my absolute book of the year is because not enough people are talking about it. So I'm going to rave about it some more. So it is A Net for Small Fishers by Lucy Jago, which is another proof that I was sent so, uh, again, very pleased to have received it. So, it is historical fiction, which is my favourite genre. So, I kind of knew I'd probably love it anyway. And it's two female characters that it's based mainly around. So, anything with kind of badass females, as you know, we are probably <laughs> getting that um, gist already. is something else that I love as well, especially in a time when women were just supposed to do as they're told and they don't so this is set in 1609 in london so obviously a time when women were not supposed to do their own thing and it's actually based around a real court scandal so this is a work of fiction but this scandal that happened in the king's court is a real thing that happened so francis howard is the let me just double check that I get this right. Yeah, the Countess of Essex. She is from a very powerful family. She um, has, she's beautiful. She's got everything going for her, but she's married to an absolute TWAT, <laughs> shall we say. And um, she's just incredibly unhappy. Um, and is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum if you like she is funny and she's talented she owns a, a patent for yellow starch would you believe but she's a mother of six and has a completely different life to uh, Frances Howard and these two women come together and um, the an unlikely friendship but the, that kind of thing that you'd say in modern day, they've got each other's backs and they're just like a pair who go out there and they want their own freedoms in this really brutal world that they're living in and they've just got this fantastic friendship 
when like I say they're not normally two people who, who should be friends and um, it's just about them trying to get through life when they're so different and being there for each other and and again I'm not going to say anything about the ending obviously but yeah I'll, I'll just leave it there but um, <laughs> yeah it's like it's just fantastic and I love and I've just thought actually that I'm just going to hold this up to the camera because we do this via zoom so that the other girls can see and I wonder whether it's yellow because Anne has that pattern for yellow starch my I read it and I got my proof and I got a yellow like shawl with ah, it right okay so I think it's very much about the the yellow. I mean, I loved it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think what I really loved about it, I loved everything that you did. But actually, I really love historical fiction. And my sweet spot has always been Tudor fiction. So this one moves it on past the Elizabethan into the Jacobean. And actually, you can see those connections moving through. So the Howards were really powerful as far back as, you know, even back in the Henry. So the Howard family, Anne Boleyn came from the Howard family. So I was sort of tracking all of that through. So, And it, it opened up a new world of historical fiction to me. So that's why I loved it. But yeah, I agree. It's, uh, was that, am I going to get this wrong? Was that a debut as well, Jules? No, I don't think it was. No, she, no, no. I've, right. I've read some of her stuff in the past. I think she did a book about the Northern Lights, but I'm not sure whether... Well, I need really... to look it all up then because it's the first yeah. one of hers that I've read. Yeah. Um, and I've just, it's made me wonder, you know, whether, and, and I'm, I maybe they've got this totally wrong, but maybe one of the reasons why I don't see so much stuff about it on Twitter is because the author isn't on social media. I don't think she and is. Sometimes I wonder whether that has an impact on mm. how much people talk about things. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I love it, and it's got um, this one from what this is a Waterstones exclusive edition with yellow cover and black sprayed edges. And it looks nice. Like, yeah, it's yeah, lovely. It's a nice cover. Yeah, so yes, that is my absolute favourite book of the year. It's very I rich. Adore it. In yeah, it, in its language and in the descriptions, and it's got that sort of heady feeling of a of a court, an excess of court life and yeah no it was very entertaining as well as being very powerful and it just shows though as well that you because <laughs> i i am like i'm totally sick me when it comes to history i really know nothing about history if you ask <laughs> me when a king would or who the king was or anything like that so I don't know why I adore historical fiction. I don't know whether it's just about times gone by and, like I say, whether I focus on books where there's a powerful woman in it who's doing her own thing or what. But, um, yeah, I know nothing about history, yet I love historical fiction. So I, everything that you've just said, Rachel, about I, I wouldn't have had a clue. <laughs> but I love but it I anyway. Think... I wouldn't have had a clue about any of that until I started reading um, yes. fiction of that time. And it, and it was pure chance that I picked something up and read that. And then that sort of took me. That's one of the things I love. I think when we first started talking about why do we read, I love the journeys that reading takes mm. you on and the things that you find out because of what you've read in a, in a book. Yeah, and yeah, I absolutely. love a book that makes me sit and Google stuff. Yeah. You know, like, did that yeah. really happen? Is that Was that person real? You know, that kind of 
thing yeah that sends you down a rabbit hole yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. and then you often yeah. find a whole load of other books that you want to read when mm. you come down that particular rabbit hole yeah <laughs> so talking of rabbit holes um my third book actually has got quite a lot of rabbit holes in it i think um but it was one that i read right at the beginning of this year um and it is mrs death mrs death by selena godden and it is unlike any other book that i think i've read this year um it's i mean selena godden is known as being a poet and a performance poet um i mean and she writes beautifully but this is so insightful so the idea of this is that it's about um the autobiography autobiography of death basically and death is um not who you think they will be so if we think about if you had to personify death i think most of us would think of a white man in the grim reaper outfit with the scythe and everything and actually death in this is a black woman um and so it's shifting all that power from the the white male to the black woman because actually death is the ultimate power it's something that we will all experience in our lives and actually selena godden tackles that head on she doesn't shy away from death or what death means and she looks at all sorts of of different deaths so she meets up with um i've got to try and remember the name because it's right at the beginning wolf so Wolf is a young writer who is struggling and she, Wolf is who she chooses to write her autobiography. And you never, you find out that Wolf, she chooses Wolf because he's, he, well, is it he or is it she? Oh, you never quite know. You know, that's sort of, that's, that's ambiguous as well. You, um, this person has had really close experiences with death in their life in their very early life and and she chooses wolf to write her autobiography and it jumps around the style changes um it can be very short and snappy then it can be very lyrical and very beautiful and very moving and actually to read this book at the time of the pandemic when suddenly death that we as society i think are really rubbish about talking about death considering we're all going to die she brought this this book brought death out it, it made it a talking point it made it something that we need to encounter and that idea that you can have a good death some deaths can be a good death um and i know jules you went to the heidi james did a book club and selena we shared we read this book and selena actually came to discuss it and it was so interesting as it always is to talk to an author about how and why they wrote something and and why they felt the need to write this and actually i remember selena saying that this book came to her one night as she was walking down i think she said she was walking through london and suddenly there was a voice in her head basically speaking to her and she started typing on her phone and a lot of the book was written like that on her phone. So she, she, people thought I was mad. I was speaking into my phone. I was dapping into doorways. And, and it's it's lovely. And it's something that um, it's not always an easy read, but it's a very beautiful, lyrical, poetic read. And actually, 
I know in the finished copies, I've got my proof here. I've lent my finished copy to somebody. But actually in the back, there is a blank page, as I remember, for you to record as testament people who've passed in this book. So it's almost like a book of the dead in the back. And um, yeah, no, absolutely beautiful book. Um, and it felt very engaging. You felt very, almost very interactive with it. Yeah, I mean, I read it um not long after it were published at the beginning of the year um, and I do remember that um, book club meeting now I had read it when um, when mm. we had that meeting because I remember talking to Selena about it because um, I found it um, really really kind of thought-provoking and um, I think gave like gave me a different perspective on death as well because at the time obviously um those who know me will know what I do for a living and I'd had a really hard previous six months at work um, dealing with a hell of a lot of death and um, it just kind of I think it gave me that feeling of death is not something that we need to be afraid of I think that's I think that's probably one of the biggest things I got out of it yeah, um, and I nearly did, you know, reuse that end bit that you've said about the blank pages. I was almost going to do a little bit of writing about things that I'd dealt with at work and some of the deaths that I'd dealt with at work as, as a bit of a kind of process in my own mind, really. But I, I never did it in the end, but um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating book and you know, just really different. And I think it is one of those things like you were saying that we don't really talk about death. And um, I think it's the kind of book that you can read and then feel like you want to talk about it. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm. And I loved the way that, I mean, the fact that Mrs. Death was a black woman was really, really important to the story. And actually there's a lot of, I mean, she visits all kinds of deaths, but actually... There's a, there are some serious sections where she goes back to look at the deaths of women, particularly in history, that have been swept away and and not kind of not kind of marked really. And it, and it, there's that thing that death will mark. She, Mrs. Death, will mark every death. Every death is important to her, and every person, no matter whether they're on this earth for two minutes or a hundred years will have their moment in death and it will be it will be marked just as and I think if I remember rightly her sister is is she says she has a sister and her sister is responsible for birth and actually there's that who has who has the more power mm. who has the more power mm. so um it's so, a yes. brilliant book yeah really no it's definitely I would recommend that one so that's my third book definitely need to get a copy of that it is it's fascinating really mm. Is that a debut as well? Um, or poet performance poet yeah. mainly. I I think it's oh I'm going to get slated if I get this wrong. And Selena, if you're listening, I'm really sorry, but I do think it's her first novel. But then I'm not sure I'd even call it a novel because mm. it's so like there is a story like to prose, it, isn't it? Yeah, and... but there's sort of prose, and then it leaps into poetry, and mm. it's really experimental and different in style. But it never feels disjointed ever. It always feels, mm. you know, beautifully 
rounded and and important and the right way to do it and i think i'm right in saying that at one point she took herself off to was it ireland and a tower and went and literally wrote in this tower in isolation to try and get it finished right and i I just want to add in here actually while we're talking about death because it is a, a difficult subject and if anyone like me is i don't think i'm fearful of death as such but i'm fearful of being very old um, and I read a book called Dear Life by Rachel Clark. She's a um, a doctor in a hospice, and it's a non-fiction book. And that book is just wonderful. And I felt so different about death and life and um, being unwell. And it's just all this stuff about no matter what stage people are in their lives when they face death so those who are terminally ill and that kind of thing where they know that death is coming um are just so accepting of it like if they know that it's coming it's just it, i don't know it's just it just gave me a real different perspective on death um in a good way if that makes mm. sense so yeah anyway gone off on a tangent there we do apologize <laughs> that's okay that's what we do that's what we're best at <laughs> <laughs> okay my third book is very different to, to <laughs> what Rachel is talking about um Mine is Yours Cheerfully by AJ Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Which Opposite end do we now need? Oh, I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, it's the sequel to Dear Mrs. Bird, which I adored. And I'd been looking forward to it publishing for a long time. And when a proof dropped through the letterbox from Camilla Elworthy, I nearly had a little cry. <laughs> It's a fabulous follow-up to Dear Mrs Bird and it'll make you laugh and cry and just feel hopeful. It's, it's It felt like being reunited with old friends and it, it's thoroughly heartwarming. It, it's a book, I think, which celebrates friendship and the strength of women and I think that you will love it. Mm. I loved it too when I loved Dear Mrs Bird and it's set in wartime, isn't it? So Yeah, World War II, of, yeah. Not kind of you almost think that wartime doesn't fit with the title of yours cheerfully but it's it's the characters isn't it that makes that book I think yeah and they just sort of you know they're all going through a horrible time and they just learn to live with it and and they get on with it and it has that proper like wartime can-do attitude doesn't it behind it and Emmy and Bunty are fabulous characters and you you do want to be friends with them, and it is. It does feel like that you've been reunited with friends. It's just got that nice. It has a nice feel to it, even though it deals with some horrible and sad things. But there's, it always like me, dear Mrs. Bird. There's that hopeful element to mm. it, and I think it came out at a time where everyone wanted that hopeful element. So it was. It was a. It was a perfect book to publish this year. I think. Yeah. It, it's yeah. one of those books that kind of brings a tear to my eye with how joyful it is, if you get what I mean. Makes you yeah. feel a bit, bit emotional. And if and I would, I think you can read it on. If anybody was going to go out and read it, I'd recommend reading Dear Mrs. Bird first. Would you, Rebecca? Yeah, because there's stuff in it. I think that 
it it references the first book so you would i think it might be a little bit confusing if you did if you didn't know the story but this story is a separate story like the main story of um yours cheerfully is is completely new but there's little bits that are mentioned from dear mrs bird mm. but i would i would recommend dear mrs bird as well because that was great yeah i agree good choice again rebecca what is your final book emma well 2021 um, (laughs) i think for me is going to be the year that i fell back in love with sarah moss and her writing so um i a long time ago i read night waking and i absolutely loved it at the time i thought it was the best thing i'd ever read um, and then I, I couldn't wait for um, I couldn't wait to read Ghost Ghost Wall, and actually I didn't have a good experience with that book. Uh, just me, I th- you know. It, obviously, everyone else loved it, and um, you know it was shortlisted for all sorts, and loads of people love it. I just didn't like it, and and it just put me off for a bit. Um, so when Summer Water came out last year, I kind of just um, I let it pass me. Uh, but then the fell came this year, didn't it? And I decided mm. to give it a go. And oh my God, I'm so glad I did. It's just, it's it a, is brilliant. Such a brilliant book. And actually, if somebody, you know, if somebody says, what's it about? And you say, well, a woman goes for a walk and she gets lost on a mountain and that's what it's about. <laughs> it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really, you know, grab you, would it? But actually what Sarah Moss does is she just writes so, so well about people and actually, the woman who gets lost um, on a mountain, she does so during our first lockdown at a time when we're not allowed to leave our houses and she's really claustrophobic. And this was back in the first lockdown when we actually all followed the rules, you know, pre-Barnard Castle, pre, you know, <laughs> cheese and wine meetings at Downing Street. I think most people were following the rules and we were terrified about breaking the rules. And so it's set against that backdrop where she she does disobey the rules and um you know what what do you do then you know you're because she lives with her son and what what should he do should he alert the authorities and and it just it just goes through that i think is it just set over the course of maybe 24 hours or something one evening yeah Yeah. and it's just so so amazing and just reminds you of what we did go through because It does seem like a long time ago now, that first lockdown. Um, yeah, so, and, and then as soon as I finished it, I went off and uh, bought Summer Water and just devoured that. Oh, it's and, so good. Oh, it's so good. Water. Yeah, it's brilliant, Summer and, Water. And now I'm just going to go back and read everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds silly to say, but she writes, the, the people that she writes are so real. Mm, yeah. I know that sounds daft, but it's like people that you would know and you, you everything that there's something in every one of her characters that could be so completely different to you as a person but yeah. there's something that you can pick out that you can relate to yeah and like in summer water though when they just go to a cabin in the woods in it's in scotland isn't it I think? Yeah. Yeah. and it yeah. just chucks it down the entire time <laughs> yeah and it's just, like, it, it is just real isn't yeah. it yeah we've all been on those holidays and actually, when I read Summer Water, I was in the lakes in a cabin and it was chucking it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, definitely. I, I absolutely worship Sarah Moss and I did enjoy Ghost Wall, um, but not it, it's not my favourite of hers. But 
I think um, she is just one of those writers who seems to just get it right and have the right words and, and writes really sparingly but really beautifully and every yeah. word is, is meant to be where it is. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this before and if I have, I'm really sorry, but I know that I've heard from a couple of things now that when she's written something, she deletes her first draft. I've heard this as well. It's and then crazy. Goes back and writes it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I just as someone who writes and saves things obsessively, <laughs> I can't imagine going off and deleting your first draft. I think that's utterly bonkers. But yeah. obviously it works for her because she remembers the bits that really were important. Um yeah. I think the first thing I read of hers was Night Waking and then I went on to read Bodies of Light and Signs for Lost Children. Have you read those, um, Emma? No, I wasn't aware of them coming out. Um and, and I think um Because they're linked was... to Night Waiting. Uh well I'll definitely have to read those, definitely. Yeah, those two are linked to Night Waking. Yeah. Uh, but those two were were brilliant. Um mm. And they've really stuck in my head. Um, and I've kind of been rationing myself with the rest of her stuff. I've got one left to read now, I think, which is her autobiographical book about going to live in Iceland for a mm. period of time with her small children. Um, and I think Siobhan recommended that one to me. So, And it's waiting for me. <laughs> Christmas tree to say as well while you were talking about the fell which references the things that we have dealt with in the last couple of years and I remember when I don't know whether it was during the first lockdown but say within the first six months or so mm. and people were talking about books being written um, which would reference how we live now and people like no I really don't want to read books that talk about the pandemic and I don't want to read about people being in isolation and wearing masks and things like that and I've what read a couple of books recently so I've just read finished burnt coat today Rachel yeah um and then I read the um gifts by Laura Barnett which is nothing at all to do with pandemic it's about Christmas and about people um talking about what they're getting people for Christmas it reads like a book of short stories really good um but that references things so when she talks about someone going into a shop she says that they put a mask on and they were talking about how this Christmas is coming up and they're going to make the most of it because we didn't have a Christmas or we didn't have a proper Christmas last year and stuff and I have to say I was one of those people who in the beginning thought I don't want to read a book that talks mm. about the pandemic and and now because I think we've dealt with it for so long now um it has become a way of life and yeah. I've I don't have a problem with reading it in books and it's, I don't it's just I don't, part of life now I don't think you could set a book in this time and not mention it mm. you know no. if, you've, if you've got a very contemporary setting and, and I've read a couple as well I've just recently read um 56 days by Catherine Ryan Howard which is amazing that that's definitely going to be on my top 10 list and that was set in Dublin in the in at the very beginning of the of the lockdown and it's just a slightly different um view from like the the British perspective because Dublin and, and Ireland locked down quicker um you know but yeah that's another brilliant one um so yeah I think maybe the time has come where 
we can. Maybe it was too mm. close. Maybe, you know, it was too raw at one point. But, you know, it's just become the way we live now, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I read when we were in lockdown, I ended up reading, not really by any sort of conscious choice. I seem to read a lot of books that were pandemic-based. And, now I read Hamnet, for example. Yeah. I read... Yeah. Um, um, Emma Donoghue's Pull of the Stars I don't know if anybody else read that one and no. that was set, oh that is an amazing book, it's set in 1918 in Dublin um, but it's in the flu pandemic and yeah. it's on a maternity ward in the flu pandemic over a few days and I mean actually yes we've been through a lot in the last few, two years, I'm not belittling that at all but there have been pandemics in the past that have been so much worse than this one, not just because of the actual virus, but because of what we have got now that has helped us. So we've got communication yeah. now, you know, we've got Zoom, we've got the internet, we've all got mobile phones, you know, our kids could go online and learn. Um, yeah. We had financial help. So, you know, most people could stay at home when they were asked to. Um, you know, you, you, you could isolate because there was financial help to help you isolate. We understand how to treat things. We've got everyone's got free health care. And actually, it does make you in some ways reading about other pandemics in the mm. past put into perspective where we are and what we've dealt with. Definitely. It's, it's been rubbish, but actually... We've got so much on our side to help us. Mm. And I will just throw in quickly while we're talking about this, because I'm aware we've been talking for a long time and people's <laughs> TBR piles are going to be tottering again. Uh, but two books about pandemics, not about our pandemic, but about pandemics that I've also loved this year. The End of Men by Christina Sweeney Baird and uh, The Stranding by Kate Sawyer both really good as well so if you do fancy reading about pandemics there you go <laughs> maybe that's a whole other episode actually. yes definitely definitely <laughs> thank you for joining us and uh, we really hope that you'll find something of interest among those books um we'll be back in the new year when we'll be talking about the portico prize shortlist and we're also currently talking about the titles over on um instagram and on twitter so make sure you're following us um on twitter we're at northern con pod and on instagram we're on the northern connection and that's it so happy christmas and have a happy new year